Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Race Chat Live. We're back. I believe this is our sixth season of Race Chat Live. Glad to be back on the airwaves tonight. Of course, that was uh, the hail to the chief. As tonight, we will discuss RCL's State of the NASCAR Union address. <laughs> I had this all played out a thousand times in my head, uh, but uh, it's time for Jim France's farewell tour. Question mark. Race fans, we've had the whole winter to sit back and kind of watch and anticipate how the 2024 race season uh, was going to come about and. You know, most of us get excited for the next season well before the season even starts. Uh, getting excited for the next season is the start of silly season. And on Race Chat Live, Race fans, silly season starts, well, it starts tonight. And we'll even get to that. We'll even talk about who may be in and who may be out, who may be in their last season, who's up for contracts. We may not get into all of it, but Race fans, that's why you've tuned in to race chat live. I, I don't want to make it the soapbox of 2024, but I definitely want to start tonight examining the fact that maybe the commander in chief, uh, the man who spins the wheel, um, he may need to get a new Rolex watch. If anybody watched the Rolex, <laughs> of course, they ended the race an hour, uh, an hour, uh, a minute and a half early. Um, that was on Jim Franz's watch. Okay, you know, as we lay, lead into Speed Week, of course, the clash coming up this weekend. Um, it is uh, apparent that our Commander in Chief is not about expanding the sport. We, over the last few years, have been um, uh, decentralized. We've been uh, crammed in this tiny little box. Um, we've lost practice. We've lost uh, uh, qualifying uh, at some racetracks. We've lost live pit crews at some racetracks. Man, it's just been one thing after the other. We went from three-day race weekends to two-day race weekends. We've uh, we've even had some one-day shows. Um, you go back to COVID, we had shows, uh, multiple shows in a week. Um, that's something that was fun, uh, but uh, the reason for that was uh, – 
to make up some races that had been canceled to the previous year. I think through all of that, Jim France did a great job heading the ship. Of course, our former leader, our former uh, commander-in-chief uh, was Brian uh, Snortnose France. Um, we can only, only uh, begin to uh, imagine uh, what all has gone up Brian France's nose, including a lot of the popularity of our great sports that we're here to discuss tonight. Jim has done a great job, but Jim is about like our president of the United States. He's out of touch with what the younger fans are looking for. We are in a crisis in NASCAR where our fan base is the average of 55 years old white male. Now, not that there's anything wrong with that. We've got a couple of uh, team members here that are within that age range. And, well, I'm not sure if Jason's actually all white, but that's besides the point. <laughs> I think he's got a little Indian in or something. I, I, I don't know. But anyway, that's besides the point. The fact of it is, is we have lost the the geographic age of building a new fan base. And that age, of course, to 20, right? Uh, 10 to 18, 18 to 25, 10 to 18, right? Um, we have the 35-year-olds. We've got the 45-year-olds. We've got the 55-year-olds. It's some in those bases. Well, when you have a, a gentleman that's, you know, of higher age, probably somewhere in his 70s, Jim France is not um, capable of thinking about what, the young next generation of fans uh, needs to make the sport uh, back to its glory days. I believe that there is a man for that job, and he's a Kennedy. And I'm going to set forth right now before I bring on my co-host to uh, maybe argue the point, maybe further the point. Uh, We have slimmed down this year for the time being. It's going to be me and Taz uh, heading the ship. And let me tell you something, if you call me captain, you better call him captain too, because we are going to be stuck like a glue this year. If I can uh, reference uh, a Sugarland song, isn't that who it is? Sugarland. Okay. All right. All right. So at least I got the Sugarland correct. Uh, but uh, it is time to pass the rain to Ben Kennedy, Ben Kennedy for president of NASCAR. Now I bring on my co-host, my partner in crime, my buddy, the Tasmanian Devil, Taz Taylor. Come on aboard there, brother. Oh, boy, Chris. You want to start firing things up already, don't you? Well, I've had all winter to think about it, Taz, and I believe I told you back probably a month ago that this is the direction that we were going to go in. I think over a month that I would have the perfect little script. I think I held to the script about as well as I needed to. Without getting into two, I mean, I could read off of of, uh, of a platform here like our our current president does, uh, but but then that wouldn't be bringing in the press and and the ones their opinions that matter. That is your opinion, Taz Taylor. So I threw the script away, and I want to bring you on aboard because I believe that this is a common that we feel right. Taz Taylor, Jim did his job. He kept the show. He kept the boat afloat during the rough uh, times, right, during the, the the bad weather, okay, the COVID, um, the restricted schedule, uh, the Bubba Wallace incident, which we can all have our opinion on that. 
Um, you know, filling tracks that uh, – bringing tracks back, right, uh, bringing some of the old school flavor back to NASCAR. Jim did his job. It's not that Jim hasn't done a good job. It's just time to move to the next guy. We need somebody younger. We need somebody that's willing to put it out there that this is the way business works now. Yes, Taylor, what's yeah, your opinion? I, I feel it. I, I can – I'm going to make a non-NASCAR reference here. Um, we're going to use uh, the Syracuse Orange basketball program, for instance. Uh, Jim Davis, one of the best basketball coaches, not only in college basketball, but also in USA basketball, too. Um, he's right up there with Coach K from Duke University. Um, I mean, a lot of Syracuse fans have said Jim Beheim has had his time. Uh, he's his welcome. Um, I think that, and this year is the first year of a new coach. And yes, Syracuse has done well so far this year. But are they the top tier where they used to be? Um, if you want to talk, like maybe ten. Um, 10 or so years ago, um, I would say it's not there yet, but there's potential to be there. And I think with the where I'm going to go come back to this is NASCAR has the potential to get back to where it was. It's just a matter of transitioning leadership. Um, right. France has done a good job with what he's done in his time. Has he overstayed his welcome? I think so, a little bit. And if you want to pass the torch to somebody, um, pass the torch over to the current um, the current COO. I can't think of the name off the top of my head. That would be one candidate there. Um, if you want to bring Ben Kennedy along yep. for the ride and do COOs, then have at it. Right. Um, well. I, I do, I do think that's the direction NASCAR needs to go. Um, I don't ex- – if that leadership transition um, does happen, say, within the next year or God only knows, maybe five years, whatever this time frame is, I don't expect NASCAR to be swinging the fences immediately, as I've mentioned earlier. With my reference with Syracuse basketball, there, it, the path to, of good success is there. It's just going to take some time. Um, I mean, they've hit the LA Coliseum um, for one. They've hit the the rebirth of North Wilkesboro. Um, they've brought back IRP onto the schedule for the lower series. They've brought back. Um, I think it was the Milwaukee Gates Mile, Chris. Uh-huh. Uh, right. So Nashville Speedway. And Arca, and Arca, I think is hitting up Rockingham. So it's there's potential. It's it's coming back slowly. Um, do I think some of these places could hold a points-paying Cup Series event? North Wilkesboro, definitely. Um, IRP, that could be a stretch, maybe. Rockingham, we know can. Um, 
but of course that depends on what uh what kind of seating arrangement they currently have in plan what what's what's the cup series agenda in terms of how many fans do you need in the stands or how many are you expecting can this place hold that many fans you know um does a certain track that you're bringing back need the upgrade upgraded renovations that type of thing so there's a lot of business questions involved and it's it's not just on nascar side it's also on the track side so I do think, in a sense, NASCAR is listening. It's just a matter of they have they need the time and the right adjustments to make it work. They can't just jump the gun on it as soon as us fans open our mouths and say something. Unfortunately, that's just how that's just how the the industry and the business works. Say, well, let's get into speed weeks, right? When you and I were growing up, and you're you're considerable uh, years behind me, uh, still in the ripe ages of of of, of uh, twenty something, right? You're how old are you, Taz? Twenty seven. Twenty seven years old. I'm forty three. Both of us growing up, we had one thing that would delight us at this time of year, and that was a thing called speed weeks, and it didn't. Consists of right. racing uh, dirt track racing down in the uh, Florida Keys. Um, what it consisted yep. of was two weeks of Daytona, and um, you know we would start or with uh, a week three days. Do I know? Or one whole week every day. You started Sunday and you ended the speed week on Daytona 500. Right, right. So you know you would have qualifying a week beforehand on that Saturday. Previous Saturday, you would have uh, the Bush Clash, uh, where you you know you brought in your pole sitters and uh, I believe past winners, uh, and they had to uh, race at the big track. Um, of course, you, we've had stuff like Battle of the Bay uh, during Speed Weeks. Uh, you know, it was basically uh, a week long affair uh, that uh, really got um, things fired up. Of course, somewhere, I think on Monday, you would have media day, right? So, or either Friday, maybe Friday beforehand, you'd have media day, and it would take all weekend for that kind of stuff to leak out. Now, they do media day, you know, two weeks in advance. Now, we're going to the class this week. It's going to be two more weeks before we head to uh, Daytona. We'll take a week off uh, for the Super Bowl. A lot of people say that this Super Bowl, you know, the NFL expanding their schedule really had a negative effect on the NASCAR schedule. But I don't see that as necessarily the truth, Taz Taylor. I believe that they they can coexist together, and I believe that you could use one platform uh, to help uh, promote the other, right? I mean, nothing cooler uh, than watching the Super Bowl, right, on Fox and knowing that the Daytona 500 is next week, right? I mean, it's it's almost like, hey, you think this Super Bowl is fun on this Sunday? Wait until next. There's definitely a marketing uh, deposit there. I know that we used to qualify on Sunday, and now I think we're going to qualify on Tuesday, and that's perfectly fine, but why didn't we come out and qualify on Sunday morning? It's these little things that lead up to make the season for NASCAR. We're kind of just starting out like spring training baseball, Jim France. You know, uh, this is supposed to be the Super Bowl of racing. We are supposed to have a two-week buildup 
of the coolest thing in the whole world, and that's race cars on a racetrack, two-and-a-half-mile racetrack, going at the upward speeds of 200 miles an hour, where we'll get to see ARCA cars, where we'll get to see truck series cars, where we'll get to see the Xfinity series. Oh, are they still the Xfinity series? The CW series. I'm not sure what the hell they're going to be called next. And then, of course, the cup cars on Sunday. We are not getting that type of buildup. Now, let me tell you something. If you're a dirt track fan, and I know I'm sitting across the table from a dirt track fan, yourself, Taz, Taz. We've been keeping up. You know what? Racing has not stopped, right, the entire off season, I believe I've been, except for maybe a couple of weeks here and there, I've literally been able to watch a race almost every weekend on Flow Racing. So that does got into new times. We didn't have that back in the old day. But still, if we're going – we're fanatics, right? We're fanatics. That's why we're doing a freaking Tuesday night talking about racing because we're fanatics, right? We are crazy about our sport. We're we're not like everybody else. The 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 NFL game this past weekend, I believe it was the 49ers and Lions, tested 49 million people watching that that uh, that that game. 49 million people. Taz Taylor. Do you know how many NASCAR races it takes for us to get the 49 million total viewerships? Half the damn season. If you take away the Daytona 500, if you take away the Daytona 500, probably the Colts 600, then then it it takes about probably uh, I would probably say about six seven weeks probably. So our main objective and goal for this point in time being that that game itself had 49 million people watch it, we have got to basically insert ourselves back into the NFL so that we can get some kind of follow-through, a leak over. You know, maybe we need a NASCAR wife to leave uh, their husband for somebody in football. Maybe I, I don't know what we need here. Maybe we need a maybe we need a Jerry Springer type show uh, that that uh, that highlights you know um, whatever Austin Dillon's wife's doing when he's not around. You know I, I don't know I don't know. I'm just trying to throw stuff out there. <laughs> just trying to you know maybe we bring Jelly Roll into this. I don't know man. You know. Get Bunny all fired up or something over a football player. I don't know what we got to do here, but I know, I know for a fact that we've got to somehow tap into the 49 million people that are watching a football game. So I want to hit something you said. So you mentioned, and this is how it's been the last couple of years since the clash moved to the Coliseum. Um, Obviously, the Coliseum happens on the week NFL has the Pro Bowl, or Pro Bowl games, as it's called now. Um, and then they take a week, they may take the Sunday off because of the Super Bowl. And then the following week is the Daytona 500. I understand the marketing purposes, as you mentioned, Chris, um, in terms of co promotional deals. However, I personally feel like you're you're slowing the momentum of the season starter, and I feel like this could be adjusted. How so? Saturday, you don't have any Super Bowl nonsense to worry about. Super Bowl media day. If you're that much of a hardcore fan, let's put it that way. Um, I feel like Saturday. 
Night could be the bush clash. Sunday could be um, a practice day. I mean, unless you are a 150,000% that diehard of a fan and want to watch practice, which some of us are, some of us may not be that dedicated. Um, they, you'll watch practice, say, Sunday during the day, and you'll leave the Sunday night block open for the Super Bowl. So that way there, you're not taking away um, TV viewership one sport to another. Um, and continue with Monday, uh, a Monday night Tuesday night duel, Wednesday is ARCA, Thursday day is a practice day for all three series. Um, or on Wednesday is your practice day. Thursday you have ARCA, Friday Daytona, Saturday Xfinity, um, then Sunday is your Daytona 500. I feel like at that point you're not killing the momentum of speed weeks because at that point you have Saturday – in the Sunday. So really you have eight days of action going on at Daytona. And yes, I say eight days of action at Daytona. Why? I am not against NASCAR running at LA Coliseum. I like right. that they are running there. We can However, do that. We can still do that. It's, it's a cost efficient problem because you now have to most of these teams are based on the East Coast, primarily around North Carolina, the Carolina area. You're basically telling them, go out to L.A., come back to come back to your home base so you can go to Florida for the next week, and then you have to go back out west for the West Coast swing. That makes no sense. I, I would obviously... Coliseum as a non-point race. And Chris, I think you might know where I'm going with this and make that the all-star race instead. Um, because I feel like the LA Coliseum plus clash, there's no real meaning to it, I guess you can say. Um, right. But you can throw in some heated tempers and put some drama into it and make it a good short track race if you make it the all-star event because everyone wants that big payday. Everyone wants that big cash money. And where am I going with the Bush Clash? You may think, go back to the Daytona Road Course or go back to the Daytona Oval. No, 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 no. We're going back a little further. We're going to do the old modified tour and late model tour uh UNOH Battle of the Beach short track on yes. the Daytona backstretch. Yes, well we got to find out who Bubba Wallace was. Where we found out who Mike Sestansky was. We found out Ted Christopher and and of course Bubba did I say Bubba Wallace? How about Kyle Larson was in that race? I mean the future was in that little race in 2013. And honestly, with the class, with how it's playing with the LA Coliseum, where everybody has a chance to get in, I like it that way. Because at that point, because it's kind of a dud 
in a sense that you're with the clash of how it used to be, it basically was your 16 playoff drivers and then your pole winners. And at that point, it's just like, why am I watching a race of 20 cars? I would rather watch 40 drivers try to make a 20 car field. Cause at that point, it's at that point, you want to see if your favorite driver can get in. You want to root for them, you know? You know, Taz, you said something interesting with the Battle of the Bay, and I want to I want to go back to that because I had this I had this crazy idea like to pair drivers with their rival, right? And if you didn't have a rival or you couldn't create the rival, well, you would create the rivalry, right, by putting two cars out on the racetrack at the same time with an effort to see who can get to the finish line first, side by side, right? And no holes barred between those two. Uh, uh, a Cole Trickle versus Rowdy Burns racing down the beach type, type scenery. Can you can you envision that? Can we get that envisioned right? And, and and just bring some kind of character, some kind of personality that brings the excitement to the race fans that isn't traditional racing, right? I mean, you have wrestling, but you got the drama behind it as well, right? The match lasts. Uh, a total of, what, five minutes, but the buildup is what makes it amazing, right? And football today, uh, Colin Cowherd broke down exactly how much TV time Taylor Swift has gotten over the last uh, year, right, uh, for NFL. And it basically comes down to, like, 32 seconds, right? 32 seconds of TV time in a four-hour program, and people are up in the air because Taylor Swift is being put too much into football, right? But in reality, Taz Taylor, we're only watching 18 minutes of live play between two teams in a 60-minute format that actually takes two and a half to three hours to play. So in that period of time, it's only really 18 minutes of football. But what is it behind the scenes of all that? It's the dramatic buildup. And that is something – that just continuously going to each racetrack each week, we depend, even as you and I, as a small-time radio hosts, we depend on these drivers not getting along, something happening, um, rumbles from within a crew, like this crew chief's unhappy with this crew chief in the same garage. Or, uh, you know, look, I would do anything to get the old – Jeff Gordon versus Jimmy Johnson don't like each other uh, uh, content to, to, to spit out here on Race Chat Live. And I think that if NASCAR did a little bit to help build that up, to bring more faces to the, to the races, right, more faces to the race cars, um, and give these guys the ability to promote their brand, uh, I think that NASCAR would be sitting better. The one terrible thing about baseball that they went into a direction for the last 20 years is – they no longer supported their superstars. And the reason why they didn't want to support their superstars anymore is because the superstars that they did promote were all cheaters. They were all shoving steroids up their ass. And then it come in and it backfired against baseball. So now baseball is very, very, very particular about not making a certain player the face of Major League Baseball. But that's what lacks in baseball today. NBA, it's been so much LeBron. Now here comes the European players. We're going to get a completely different dynamic NBA over the next five years that we've had 
in the entire existence of NBA because the NBA has always strived on one specific player moving the treadmill. That's not the case with these European players that have come into the NBA. They're not, they're not uh, the privileged athletes that we've created in college and, and whatnot. And, uh, you know, these guys have uh, shoulders with 40-year-olds playing in European leagues, right? We're, I'm talking about Giannis. I'm talking about Lukic. I'm talking about the, you know, the, the Joker. I'm talking about the, the next breed, a Joel Embiid, right? These guys are foreign players, but they bring a certain aspect to the NBA now that makes it interesting because they're characters. And, you know, I understand Michael Jordan built the NBA and, and Kobe – uh, brought it, and LeBron has done whatever he's done. But, look, people are kind of tired of that. They want to see individual personalities. And NASCAR has such a variety. We have a chance to, to make 40 different drivers um, something of, of, a, of a comic book hero or a villain. And, and I think that NASCAR, over the years, in the vanilla aspect of the boys have that at era, uh, we've not been able to have it. This should have never been boys have that. It should have been, hey, I'm going to stir the pot. I'm going to be the promoter of the sport. Don King owned both fighters in the ring, right? Not just one, right? Well, that's like, that's like um, Ross Chastain, for example. He got he got pushed around one too many times, and then he voiced up. Um, he got aggressive on the driving, you know. Um, I feel like Denny Hamlin. I feel like Denny Hamlin. Um, ever since his podcast started, we start seeing more of him coming out. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like if we get more, and Kyle Busch, Kyle Busch during his Joe Gibbs Racing days, is that villain type of superstar we need. And ever since he went to Childress, it's like that villain is gone. Um, I mean, yeah, there's Denny Hamlin that people hate and whatnot, but I don't feel like he's getting as much hatred as Kyle Busch did. I feel like he, I feel like Denny Hamlin. I feel like Denny Hamlin's hatred is for the wrong reasons. Kyle Busch's hatred was for the right reasons. And I feel like there's no, there's been no good transition of who's the, who's the villain, but doing it right versus the villain, but they're make, but the fans are making that driver the villain for the wrong reasons. Am I a Denny right. Hamlin fan? No, but am I enjoying what, what we're seeing out of him since he's launched his podcast? Oh yeah, we're seeing Denny Hamlin's true colors now. Um, and that's what NASCAR needs. Ross Chastain with his on-track drama and his po- some of his post-race interviews. It's bringing attention at that point. Um, the whole Bubba Wallace-Kyle Larson scenario. We started to see Bubba Wallace's Ky- um, true colors shine through that point. Um, right. But, of course, Bubba that was Wallace the wrong is a reason. villain of the sport for the wrong reason, Taz Taylor. Bubba Wallace is a villain of the sport Taylor Swift is a villain of, of football. And a lot of people are going to disagree with me because, oh, don't well, me you started. know what Bubba did. But, look, man, that was four years ago, man. Bubba's actually turned the leaf around. He's, he's a more of a likable guy, I think, now than he's ever been. You know, he admits that he makes mistakes. Um, that's something that you don't get a lot of times from people. 
Uh, look, we're missing the villain. The villain is Kyle Larson. The villain is the guy who races cup racing and then drops down to go race at the Chili Bowl and steal money from the kids. And he goes to Volusa and steals money from the super late model guys. And he goes to Wild West Shootout and jumps in a modified, and he steals the money from Troutman and them. Kyle Larson, his own who theory. doesn't like to be interviewed, who doesn't know how to work on a race car. He's literally the description of, hand me the keys and I'll drive it, but I don't know a damn thing about it. And yet, he's your hero. Why is Kyle Larson your hero? He's the perfect villain. Now, ladies you and gentlemen, that is Taz Taylor, who cannot think of the words to say when I have literally <laughs> dropped the hammer. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, you you've made some valid points because Kyle Busch was the same deal. He went down to the lower series and took away the he took away the spotlight. Um, some people, if Chris. You'll understand this. Some people um, in the wrestling business, um, when Cody Rhodes used to be in AEW, uh, towards the end of his tenure with AEW, people started hating on him. But it's for, as I mentioned earlier, people hating on Denny Hamlet for the wrong reasons. People think that some of these um, older guys or these guys who had a shadow on them and have now found themselves and they're starting to come out with their personalities and who they really are. Um, They think that they are there to bury, as I'm going to use, bury the younger talent or the other drivers or the other stars, you know. They're not there to bury others. They're there to not only elevate themselves, they're there to elevate others. I mean, I'll go back to a wrestling reference. Cody wrote the AEW when he brought in – that TNT championship belt. He put over um, guys like Darby Allen. He put over Brody Lee because Brody Lee was literally getting tossed in the dumps by WWE. And when Brody Lee came to AEW, Co- Cody literally put Brody Lee over as a, as a top guy that he should have been. Um, he also put over a guy like Sammy Guevara, for instance. Like, you, like literally, Cody Rhodes, like, people thought, oh, Cody beat these people just so he can get a title reign because he runs the company, this, that, blah, blah, blah. Cody put over people. Yes, he put his name into the championship picture, but he also dragged himself out of the top prize championship picture for a reason, so that people didn't think he took the championship for his own glory. Um, so literally, I feel like Denny Hamlin, um, so I feel like guys like Denny Hamlin are are there to help bring up and put over the next set of drivers. That's why Tyler Reddick and Bubba Wallace are racing for him. Um, right. For example, uh, Corey Heim, who's now going to be a, well, Corey Heim's going to be doing his own truck schedule for the truck series this year. He is also a development driver um, for 2311 and Legacy Motor Club. And 
So I feel like Denny Hamlin is one of those veteran drivers that's trying to not only elevate himself, but also try to help push the younger generation. Um, I feel like if Kyle Busch kept uh, KBM um, instead of selling it to Spire, which we'll get more into that later, I mean, I know we've covered a good portion of that in 2023 towards the end of the season. But I feel like if Kyle Busch kept KBM but didn't really race all that much, um, I've well, actually, five races, yeah, but at the same time, um, I feel like he would. I feel like he would need to uh, race a little less. At least with Kyle Busch, he would. He brought in drivers. He brought in your William Byron. He brought in your Chase Elliott. He brought in um, your John Hunter Nemechek's. Actually, he right. basically redeveloped John John Hunter Nemechek. Um, he did. He revived John Hunter Nemechek. He was John Hunter Nemechek was a hot hand. Then he went up to Front Row Motorsports, had a dismal year, and was basically left to wonder what he was going to do next. And Kyle Busch single-handedly revived his career. Now John Hunter Nemechek is, you know, in a in a pretty solid ride uh, up in late with Legacy Motorsports. Uh, you know, I'll give thanks to Kyle Busch, the villain. And like I said, he also brought he brought in William Byron, who's not only who's won an Xfinity championship. Um, William Byron's now a top a top Cup Series contender. Um, he brought in Chase Elliott, who is a top contender to run in the front. Um, obviously, Chase Elliott has won a championship. William Byron, he still has time, so I'm not going to push him, but he's got the caliber and the capability to do so. And I think William Byron's starting to – I think after this season, William Byron now sees it. And, and, and you know, to, to further the point, I believe what you were saying with the uh, um, the, the Kyle Busch Motorsports, uh, Noah Gregson, another one to name, um, that's now, you know, back in the Cup Series. Uh, I do want to jump Christopher over Bell. – Christopher Bell, right. I mean, you know, Kyle Busch helped – you know, between him and Brad Keselowski, they – you know, if you're a star in NASCAR right now, you come you come either out of the Brad Keselowski camp or the Kyle Busch camp, and I believe both of those guys rivaled each other for quite some time. Yeah, Brad Keselowski also brought in Chase Briscoe, Austin Sindrick. Um, he's starting to elevate Chris Buescher now. Ryan Blaney, um, Tyler Reddick. Yep. Right. Yep. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, as we are, you know, we're we're cutting our show back to an hour this year. We want to make sure that our fans um, stay completely engaged. We're going to try to, uh, you know, cross-promote. We say this every year, what we're going to do, and then we wind up just getting shows done. But uh, we're really going to try harder. We've got an hour-long show planned here tonight. Um, just going to bring the hot topics like we used to. You know, it's, it's a little bit different show when it's just me and one other person, of course, Taz Taylor. Uh, it kind of takes us back to the days of me and Craig Moore. And of course, in the beginning, me and Steve Billmeyer. Um, so uh, it's, you know, it's kind of a, it's kind of a take back. Of course, we enjoyed Miss Lee Reed last year. She's had some things change in her life uh, that's put her um, unavailable some nights or most nights uh, as of right now. Of course, uh, Craig Moore, you know, he's always welcome back to the show. Miss Lee's always welcome back to the show. But for the most part, uh, 
Taz and I are going to carry the show uh, this year, me and him. And so it's, the format's going to be a little bit different. Um, and, you know, we've got a lot to cover. And basically, as they say, a short time to get there. Um, I believe our open discussion uh, was a, a, a burner, and I can't wait to uh, kind of sit down and go back and listen to it and, and get some of those PowerPoints back. But there's a lot of things that have happened since we've closed the door on the last show. And, and one of those, it just broke like yesterday. The news broke yesterday. Josh Williams is going to be in a colleague race car at – uh, the Clash in the 16th. Now, Taz, before yes. we even go there, did we not take a step back, colleague racing? I mean, what in the hell are you doing demoting A.J. Allmendinger and promoting Josh Williams? I mean, sure, the mullet guy is funny, and he's a, he, he's, he's a personality, right? But we really just demoted A.J. Allmendinger for the like of Josh Williams? I mean, I, I'm gonna, I understand that there was probably a deal that didn't get done, but uh, still, go ahead, Tess. I'm going to pause you because how much fell on a how much of this kind of weighed on AJ Allmendinger, for example? Um, mm-hmm. Did AJ really want to run a full Cup Series schedule, or did he want to run a few? less races and that's why he's in Xfinity or, or he's back to Xfinity full time and only doing a cup limited schedule. Um, obviously Josh Williams is running colleague full time in Xfinity this year as well. Um, or is AJ Allmendinger trying to be like a Kyle Busch or Brad Keselowski gives, um, give guys an opportunity to build the future of colleague racing um, because obviously you have Daniel Hemrick going full time with colleague uh, to replace Justin Haley, who moved over to Rick Ware racing for God knows whatever reason, but that's, mm, I think we'll that's another, end, that was a good move by Justin Haley. I think Justin Haley seen the writing on the wall because we went from having AJ Allmendinger and Justin Haley, two proven winners in the NASCAR cup series, give it however he wanted. He did. He's a hell of a, of a restrictor plate racer or speedway racer, Justin Haley is. And A.J. Allmendinger is the best road course racer in in, in uh, the NASCAR side. So um, you, you literally traded the mullet guy, who, who I think that car was originally promised to Ty Dillon, and I'm not sure where that deal fell through. And then I heard Matt Medetto was going to go in the car, and then that deal fell through. Um, so I do believe they have a part-time driver for the 16th. But, Taz, back to the point, I believe we're seeing the demise before our eyes of colleague racing. I mean, you don't make that big of a step back unless there's trouble abroad, right? There's something going on there, and I'm sure that they're just dangling for dear life to stay as a cup program. The one benefit that they have are these damn charters that are going for $40 million a piece. So they're not well, broke. They, call it, they just don't have any, call any uh, what is it called, with Al Davis, they don't have any any money. They don't have any moving collateral. <laughs> well, Colleague still has two cars, obviously, and both are chartered full-time cars. Um, obviously, the thir- as I mentioned, 13, Daniel Hemrick, full-time and then there's the 16 car, which would be shared by multiple drivers. Obviously, we've mentioned Josh Williams and A.J. Allmendinger. But, again, 
this comes, but with how well in chemistry AJ has with colleagues, how much of colleagues' decision was weighed based upon what AJ wanted? Um, I know AJ said he's going to do whatever colleague wanted, but did colleague um, kind of give AJ like an ultimatum or did they kind of give AJ like an option? Like, Hey, we would like to see you run full-time cup series again. Um, but if AJ's at the point where he basically says, look, I don't want to run a full cup schedule. I want to run a few less races to benefit me or benefit or give somebody else a chance, you know, and colleague probably told AJ said, look, We'll give you – look, we want you in the cup car. We won't give you the full-time cup series schedule. So here's what we'll do. We'll give you, say, 15 races in the 16 car, cup car, um, and then we'll give the rest of the races to somebody else. And I feel like that kind of helps in a way. Um, because if you look back at it, when colleague did that with the 16 car, I think it was two years ago, um, they had the split of they had the split of um AJ Gregson I mean look at Gregson Gregson did part-time colleague while doing a full-time Xfinity with Junior Motorsports and Gregson uh got to be a Cup Series driver now I feel like that kind of helped open a door for Noah Gregson, not only with Colin, mm-hmm. but also in the Cup Series side, too. So I feel like AJ may be on to something here, like like we've mentioned with Kyle Busch and Brad Keselowski and Denny Hamlin, bringing up some of the other drivers who right. who have the potential of having a Cup Series ride, but they don't have the opportunity to. And AJ... Well, yeah, he probably has – he's probably like Kyle Busch. He has some years left, but does A.J. want to spend those years putting himself in the spotlight or trying to, to develop the future of the sport or right. of college racing, I should say? Well, I, I want to end it on this point. I'm, I want you to bring our next topic Um as we're getting close to about 15 minutes before the end of the show. Um, I believe that colleague racing over the last two years has been more of the Colorado State primetime debacle than, than anything, right? Colorado State said, hey, here's Dion, here's a check for $20 million. We don't know how we're going to pay you, but we figure you're going to bring enough attention to the program, and we'll be able to write you that check. I think that that was the deal that they put in place two years ago with Kyle Busch because, remember, rumors were heavy, heavy, heavy. Kyle Busch is going to join Colleague Racing. We were like, no freaking way. Like, there's no way that's going to happen. But the trajectory that that Colleague Racing was headed towards and where Kyle Busch was in his career, we kind of felt like it could have been the Stuart Haas all over again, like a Busch colleague racing type deal. Well, that deal quickly fell apart, and it had to have been for one reason, lack of cash, right? Um, Deion Sanders wanted to really coach uh, at a higher performance, right? 
what I believe happened was Colleague Racing thought we're going to send – AJ's not going to be able to bring in the funding, but we've got the 16 car who's done well, been in the top 25 in points uh, the last two years. You know what? We're going to test the waters because there's a big sponsor out here that's going to be slapped on the side of that 16 car, and that's where our driver's going to come from. Our driver's going to come from that sponsor who says that car is the car that we want. But guess what? In the revolving chairs, in the uh, the game of hot potato uh, of NASCAR, of, of cup racing, it didn't happen. And they didn't get the sponsor, and they didn't get the driver either. And so they made a big mistake, cash, right? That's what's causing colleagues to make these big moves is they know that they have a very short time left in this sport because they can't keep affording to pay for these operations. They can't keep afford paying the crew that it takes to go there. And it's one thing that we have not seen yet since this charter system and the team go bankrupt midseason. And let me tell you something, Taz Taylor. There's been a lot of good teams that have just vanished in the middle of the year. I was the last good team that I know, a superstar team, that's been uh, relevant in the 2000s period, Robert Yates Racing. They raced the first five races, I believe, of the 2005 or 2006 season with Travis Cavapel, and then they ceased operations. This is going to happen to Colleague Grayson. The writing is on the wall. The reason why Kyle Busch did not go to Colleague Grayson and he went to Richard Childress was because Richard Childress could fund the program. Colleague can't. Colleague is dependent completely on somebody else bringing the money to the table. And that's an unfortunate situation for Colleague Grayson. They're going to be in deep trouble. But guess what? Some other hungry owner, Dale Jr., <laughs> Could be in to save the day. Because the one thing that Colleague Grayson said is, hey, we built this shit on rock and roll, all right? And what's going to happen here is we're not going to give up and we're not going to sell this this program, but we're going to bring in partners that can help us. So, you know, uh, uh, Dale Jr., Dale Jr., can you hear me say Dale Jr.? Jr. Motorsports. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I had a little silly season moment there. Um, I know it's only the first, uh, whoo, it's only the first show of the season, man. But I got to get it out there. Dale Junior, Junior Motorsports, Colleague Racing. I mean, that's what's going to happen here. If not, Colleague's going to cease operations in the middle in the middle of the season. They've got to find a partner. This this team may not be for sale, but it's on auction block real soon. We're going to see those cars go across the Barry Jackson floor uh, by the time they get to Las Vegas if they don't figure out how to get some funding into that operation. Now, uh, we've got uh, about nine minutes to go. Um, qualifying procedures. Look, you can go over that real quick. I do want to hit on the electric car deal. So, Tell us real quick about the qualifying procedures because I know, I like you, I'm all up in the air about this. This is confusing as mess. Um, it's confusing, confusing ass mess. This is a mess. It, it needs toilet paper. Let's 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 just try to get it out here and uh, so, figure out from, how the hell so we're going to line these cars up. So from what I understand, it's basically taking what they did last year but kind of modifying it 
Um, last year, they brought in this whole um, two. They split a whole 36 car field or 38, however many cars they have for that weekend's race. They split them into two groups, um, and then the top five um, qualifiers from each group moved on to what they called the final round of qualifying to set up the starting grid for the top ten drivers, while the other drivers that did not make the top five, um, basically if you qualified sixth or worse in your group, you were placed um, 11th through 40th based upon your best qualifying time. That's basically what they're doing here again, but this time around, um, what they're going to do with positions 11 through 40 um, is going to be different. Basically, what they're doing is previously the cars finished that finished outside the top five in the two groups for C11 through 40 based on their fastest qualifying lap, regardless of which group the drivers were in. Beginning this year, with the exception of the Daytona 500, because it has its own unique qualifying procedure, cars that do not advance from Group A will determine the outside row for starting positions 11 through 40, while the remaining cars from Group B will determine the inside row. For super speedways, there will be no groups during qualifying procedures. There will be two rounds, with the fastest 10 drivers advancing from the first round and the best time from round two taking the pole. So basically, okay. that sounds so, so much better coming from you. I've I've heard it explained 15 different ways. Has coming from you makes perfect sense. So if you're in Group A, you're going to qualify on the inside row, 10th from 11th on back. But, if you're in Group B, you're going to be on the outside row. That's the even numbers. That'll be 12th on back. So you're now, not just because the, you got a faster group time. The group assignments of how they how which driver will be qualifying in what group is based upon their metric system, which is basically fastest lap time position, driver's final race finish position, owner's final race finish position, um, that whole metric system that they've pulled up before when there's rain out for qualifying, you know, the COVID uh, qualifying procedure type deal. Yeah. But but that's how they'll determine it. So I'm, So my guess is they're going to take the top 18 – cars from that metric system and they're going to be in group a and then the next 18 or however many will go into group b and except for super speedway super speedways you're throwing the groups out all 40 or 36 i should say qualify minus daytona 500 and then the top 10 will go for a second round of qualifying and they'll determine the lineup from there so, so let me figure this out real quick. If I'm if I'm 11th on the speed chart and I'm 201 miles an hour, 201.22 miles an hour, right? But I'm in I'm in Group A, right? And I'm I'm 11th quickest. So so the Group B comes out. He's the, and he's 201.23. I'm still going to be starting in the 11th position because. I come out in Group A versus Group B. So basically, if you so this is how it works. So your top eighteen cars. So say eighteen cars in Group A. If you are not first, second, third, fourth, or fifth in Group A, 
you are lining up on the outside row, which means if you start, which means if you're the sixth quickest in Group A, you're starting in 12th, regardless of anything. Uh, okay. The sixth right. quickest in Group B will start 11th. That's that's what I wanted to hear. That's what I wanted to hear. So they're they're using a similar format that we use in short track racing. Pretty much. Outside, so you know we would have a a, a dash for the cash at right, the top eight, right? But the rest of them go into qualifying versus what group they were in. So that's that's uh, you know one's going to be uh, on the right like, side, like, one's going to be on the left like, side. Group A and Group like B are cars. qualifying. Group A qualifies for one three. Well, not really one three. You have to go all the way to ninth place because we would pick, pick the top eight. Whatever. Anyway, I think we've got it figured out. Let's get into the electric cars. Because this is about as short of a segment as you can give something that's actually really cool. But it's for some reason NASCAR doesn't really – they're not really pushing the issue. They want us to know that they have an electric car, but that's all they did was build one. Tell us a little bit about that, Taylor, before we uh, say goodnight to our friends. So with the electric car, um, over the course of the offseason, NASCAR has gone to – has gone – over international to like Japan um, and China to learn more about the about the different EVs, uh, electric um, components to make a car, you know, go electrically and stuff like that. Um, because racing is developing, some forms of motorsports are developing to the electric side. Look at rallycross. Um, look at Formula One or Formula e. e, whatever you want to look at. It's been around 10 years. Yes, sir. Um, that's basically your your kind of starting point if you want to go out and look at race car, electric race cars. But anyway, um, they've been doing some testing because there was rumors last season, I think it was like during the summertime, um, NASCAR was looking into – uh, having an electric racing series, um, kind of like SRX, IROC type of deal, where they run like four to six exhibition races that fall in line with the Cup Series. Um, to base, and they're going to have twelve cars. Um, each, um, I guess, manufacturer is going to have an equal pair. So Chevy, so if it's Chevy, Ford, Dodge, each. Manufacturer would have four um, cars to field, um, and basically run on run on like a time race type deal, whatever. I I don't remember the full deal, but anyways, ever since then NASCAR has been wanting to go electric to kind of adapt to um, the times, the technology, stuff like that. Um, Bob Parker has put out that. NASCAR's battery electric vehicle that it is developing will do a demonstration run this Sunday at the Clash. Um, the driver behind that test car will be David Reagan. Um, the car does have lights. Uh, um, as of right now, NASCAR has no plans for a series. Um, they are also looking at doing a hydrogen combustible engine because they know when that came up when this whole electric thing came about people got mad because if you're going to a racetrack you want to hear the you want to hear the noise and stuff like that so they thought nascar was taking away the noise 
of the race cars and stuff like that. And so not, so they're trying to listen to the fans, but still continue to do the electric deal. To add on, NASCAR has tested its battery electric vehicle for three days at Martinsville. Uh, they did 340 laps over the course of three days. David Reagan did all the test driving. Um, the compact utility vehicle body was not specific to a manufacturer. Um, when they tested on day three, the lap times were within a couple tenths of a second from a cup car. So I think, so it's looking like NASCAR could be onto something, but I think what they learned with the next-gen car, I think what they learned with the next-gen car is they probably put it out a year too soon. And I think NASCAR is trying to not only learn the electric technologies of of how an electric race car works. Um, They want to make sure that if they were to form an electric series, they have the nuts and bolts um, cracked down and fastened before they say, all right, we're going to put 12 electric cars out with these three, four, however many manufacturers want to get involved. And thanks to our sound guy for the uh, for the Jetsons car in the background there. Of course, uh, nothing sounds more electric than the Jetsons uh, airplane. So, um, wow, what a night. What a way to kick things off. Yeah, NASCAR's got to figure out what they're going to do here. Um, obviously, we've heard about the hybrid motor. It's supposed to come out in 2024. Obviously, it's 2024. We don't have the hybrid motor yet. Um, they're speaking all electric by 2030. I just don't see that. Um, you know, it, obviously we watched, uh, the, the Rolex 24 hours, there was more, um, issues with the cars that were hybrid than there was, uh, the combustible engine cars. Um, so that's going to be an issue down the road. Hey, but if it brings, uh, a, a piece of the sport back where we have breakdowns and failures, that's for the sport. It's one thing I miss about the 2000s model, the Gen 4 car, um, you know, how, uh, that car didn't always last, and the motors blew up, and there was mechanical failures. Uh, I miss those days uh, of NASCAR. Uh, everything's so bulletproof and standard. Um, we don't very rarely get those component issue problems. Um, there is one last topic that we're leaving hanging here. Now, you mentioned it just a second ago. I'm glad it was a reminder um, because farewell to the Senior Racing Tour. Uh, the SRX Series is now – gone forever. Taz Taylor, I know that that was probably a, a heartbreaking moment. I, look, I was I was a big fan of SRX and still a fan, and I would love to see it come back, right? Um, I, we all had our opinions on how the SRX series was going to make it or break it, and I think we all missed that. I, I, I was just as surprised as anybody when the news come out that the SRX series was not going to come back in the 2024 season based off of the uh, amount of information we had already received, the, the tracks, the confirmations, drivers, uh, there was no way in hell that we could have ever predicted on our bingo card that uh, SRX was not going to be back for the 2024 race season. Unfortunately, they are DOA. Taz, what do you think really led to the demise of the SRX series before we go here tonight? Um, I think a lot of it played into, um, I don't think the amount of fan, fan support or the support of 
these short tracks that wanted to get SRX in. I don't think those were the problems. I think one of the biggest problems they had was you were pulling in your the from in comparison to the first two years to the third year, I think the transition from CBS to ESPN was a big setback. Um, I give props to Tony Stewart for bringing up the original idea um, of doing Thursday Night Thunder so that you could also open up availability of drivers to run your series more. Um but I think going from CBS, and I know they tried pushing the CBS deal on Thursday nights, but between CBS, between CBS and SRX, they could not work out a deal because of CBS's primetime shows on Thursday nights. So SRX went the ESPN route. And unfortunately with how ESPN is, it's kind of like um, – Having ESPN is basically kind of like having the NFL package. Like, if you want ESPN, you basically have to pay a, a little bit more money to have their stuff. Um, or if you want strictly ESPN uh, coverage, then you need to pay um, so much money a month or a year to get ESPN streaming. Um Whereas CBS, that was basic TV cable. Like, you can get a basic TV package and you can get CBS. Um, I think that was one of their downfalls on that side of the spectrum. Um, The other side they mentioned was marketing. Um, When it came to marketing, you compare season one to seasons two and three. I'm not saying this as a knock on Don Hawk at all. I'm saying it as in where do you eyes peel where do your eyes peel to when you hear the names Ray Evernham versus Don Hawk? You're gonna to go to Ray Evernham because he's more of the bigger name, the common name versus Don Hawk. When people heard of Don Hawk to start, people are like, Who is this guy? And then when you look into it and he used to be with SMI and stuff like that, at that point you go, Oh, okay, now we know who he is. But when you hear Ray Evernham, you're like, oh, he used to be a crew chief for Jeff Gordon. He used to work with Hendrick Motorsports. He did. Uh, he had his own race team with Dodge in the Cup Series um, and brought up Bill Elliott and Elliott Sadler. It, it, and we talked about this within our group in the last couple of weeks, too. Miss um, Lee said that, Tony Stewart with him and his wife now trying to um, expand upon their family and work on having a kid. Now Stewart's running full-time NHRA. Uh, I think a lot of, I think those little details kind of played a part in Stewart's role of SRX. Um, How much would he be involved? Um, what I mean, I know Stuart wasn't more on the marketing side of things. He was more of driver recruitment. Um, but I think those were some of the big downfalls that SRX ran into. It's just a matter of the name behind it 
and I think the TV viewership that was not pulling in the money and the viewers that you were getting in the first two years. Yeah, and I think uh, as a you know a fan, we we kind of failed uh, the series. Uh, they moved it to Thursday night. I think that was kind of a you know it was a good move for the fanatic. It wasn't a good move for the typical race fan that was getting something for free on network TV. Then they would then they were forced to go find it, and that's just you know that's that was a move made too fast. Like I said, I understand the CBS side of it. It's unfortunate that our our pal Alan Beswick uh, is once again out of a job, um, but uh, you know there's probably some better things to come soon. As you know, we also have to look forward to the CW channel and their broadcasting team. Uh, other notables, uh, if you're a fan of the SiriusXM NASCAR channel, uh, Trading Paint has been uh, excluded off of uh, uh, NASCAR Radio and Slang, the Voice of XM Radio, the voice of NASCAR Radio, uh, has been uh, let go from Sirius XM. So I don't even know what I'm going to do after the race, and I don't have uh, Claire B. Lane to talk me through whatever bridge I'm about to jump off of, as she has done so well over the years. Um, uh, Just a humongous disappointment that uh, Sirius XM NASCAR Radio uh, did not value uh, the true journalism, the uh, companionship that she made with her fans. Um, this is a legend. She is the legend, Claire B. Lane. Um, there is no, uh, there is no other uh, voice out there that can match what she's done for racing over the last 20 years since the inception, actually, of NASCAR radio on satellite radio. Wherever Claire goes, the audience will follow, and I can't wait to see where she goes in her next endeavor. Unfortunately, you know, Chocolate Meyer, I believe that show had gotten a little, you know, off the rail. Um, Chocolate, of course, uh, you know, did not – he was out for a while and come back, and I think people just kind of were kind of tired of Chocolate before he got sick. Not Not anything against him getting sick or anything like that. But I think that fans were just ready to move on from his typical back in the day. Uh, that was basically how, you know, this was back how we did it. Um, the, you know, uh, the, how we did it at Richard Childress. Um, you know, chocolate, how he was. And, and so, you know, eventually I think that just put a wear and tear on the audience. Now, I'm looking forward to stacking pennies. Uh, I hope that it's a, it's a everyday show. I hope Corey LaJoy does a really good job at that. Um, of course, seeing podcasters being brought over to the network side is pretty cool. That's how Dirty Mo Radio got started. Um, so uh, we're seeing a little bit of treadway uh, being moved in that direction with these uh, small-time radio shows being turned into big-time uh, products. Uh, you know, to get Denny Hamlin in that in that realm and a few of these other shows, I think would be great if NASCAR Radio is intending to broaden their broadcast and not shrink it. So uh, it's been great, Taz Taylor. Man, the stuff that we've already covered, it's hard to believe. Um, I don't think we needed a warm-up session. I think we did good. I think uh, we kept things rolling here tonight. And, uh, you know, we went a little bit over time, but that's okay. I'm not mad about it. We, we're talking about racing, and, and both of us are very passionate about racing. I mean, That's what uh, made us I mean, hey, dynamic, we can, a duo from day one. I mean, we, we're, we're used to doing um, 
two-hour shows because that's what we've done for the last, like, about two, three years. I mean, yeah, we've downsized a bit, and there's nothing wrong with that. But we can sit here and say, oh, we're going to do one-hour shows. But we know for a fact that (laughs) if we can't cover everything in one hour, we still have an extra half hour to cover because we know that if there's things that happen – we have until 10 o'clock to discuss it because we've always ended at 10 o'clock. So. Dad, Dad, I booked the show for 180 minutes. <laughs> you know, you but, know I, mean, I made sure we had but, plenty of I mean, time. This, I mean, I, but, I mean, this week, though, we don't have what we did last year, but we're going to bring it back um, is our, you know, our weekly – a weekly ones to watch, Taz's hot picks, um, yeah, or NASCAR yeah. pool. We'll, we will, the, um, for those that are listening, please stay tuned to the Race Chat Live page within yeah. the next few days. Um, we are bringing that back. Uh, we're going to, the groups are going to be changing, so we're not going to face the same, we're not going to face the same exact people. We may be facing some old rivals during the regular season, but we may face some new people. Um, obviously, we're going to talk to our uh, people last year, see if there's any returning. And then, of course, um, once we get confirmation from there, we'll start recruiting more new people along. Hopefully, we grow um, in comparison to last year. I oh, think I've 14 got people to start. I got three <clears throat> new people well, coming in on my end, man. Yes, sir. I got three extra cars showing up for the Daytona 500. Yep. <laughs> but, I mean, like I said, groups are cha- groups are changing. The format pretty much staying the same. Um, I think there's I think there's only going to be one change, but that's for the postseason. Um, for I think it was the the lose. I I don't want to make. I don't want to say it this we'll way, there. and I'm not meaning this in a bad way, but the losers bracket, um, the consolation bracket, as most fantasy leagues uh, call it. But I think we're going to make one small change to that. But we will get there when the time is there, um, which will be towards the end of the regular season and beginning of the playoffs. But basically everything will remain the same for the most part. Um, we may be a little bit, but depending on the number of people we have, um, we may be a bit stricter on the rules in terms of when you can submit picks um, and stuff like that. Um, I know last year was kind of year one, working the hiccups uh, of a couple things. Um, but, as, but, I mean, for the first year doing it and the first time doing it, um, we had very little hiccups, and the hiccups that we did have um, were something we could easily tweak on the fly. And it literally looked like we and we made it look like there was no hiccups at all. Um, so we took so we are taking what we learned from last year, and we're going to keep on rolling with it. Um, and we're going to make sure we go from 14, and hopefully we expand on that numbers and make it better all right sounds good Chaz uh, I guess uh, this is our moment where we have you uh, close the show man 
Don't forget to check us out on the podcast networks, man. We're live, but we also have podcasts. What about some of this podcast you can listen to at home? So you can always listen to us live Tuesday nights, 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. Yes, new time. We push back half an hour. Um, But anyways, we're live Tuesday nights, 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Of course, you can always listen to us on Blog Talk Radio live or even – um, when we're not live, you can archive some of our shows there. Um, any other forms of podcasts to find us would be iHeartRadio, Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. All you got to search is The 110 Nation or Race Chat Live. Nine times out of ten, you'll find us within an instant uh, when you type in no search results. Also go to, I'm probably going to botch this this website pretty bad, and if I do, I am sorry, Mr. CJ, if you're listening along, or whenever you're listening to this, uh, the 110 Nation Sports Radio Network.com, I believe it is. Um, you want to get a list of blogging news, whether it's racing-related, sports-related, um, Links to where you can find us with podcasts or even our YouTube channel. Go subscribe to that. Um, everything is basically there. We, um, I know the last few months have been quiet for us for good reasons, obviously. Um, now that basically for the most part we're back into or slowly getting back into full swing, things will start to get busy and more up-to-date as the year goes on. So make sure you check that out. And, of course, don't forget to follow us on Facebook. We are posting articles. Obviously, when when we get our show links, you'll see them come up every week. Um, You know, Facebook is is a powerful weapon. That it is, my friend. So, so, with that being, thank you for listening to Race Chat Live tonight. We'll see you next Tuesday night, 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Uh, We'll talk about post-LA Clash, pre-Daytona 500, speed weeks, and stuff like that. And get things ready to roll for the 2024 season. This has been the Caution Flagger Racing Radio, Chris Crane. I'm the Tasmanian Double Flaggers, Taz Taylor, saying goodnight. We'll see you all next week. Good night, friends. Just a good old boy. Never meaning no harm. Beats all you never saw. Been in trouble with the law since the day they was born. Straightening the curve, planting the hills. Someday the mountain might get them, but the law never will. Making their way. Change if they could 
fighting the system like a two modern day Robin Hood. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.